Assessing the Virtues of Negative Interest Rates Written by Marco Bulat and read to you by Arian Harrier Earlier this year, the Bank of England was reported to have instructed banks to prepare for negative interest rates within six months. The Bank of England purportedly did so as part of its plans for a monetary stimulus to resuscitate the UK economy ravaged by the COVID-19 pandemic. Economists have since been divided on whether driving the Bank of England's base rate from the already ultra-low 0.1% to below zero would be an effective course of action. Proponents argue that the economy needs a monetary vaccine to prevent what is widely viewed as a temporary public healthcare crisis from mutating into a long-term recession. Opponents point to Japan's central bank, whose benchmark rate of negative 0.1% since 2016 has failed to push the country's GDP growth above its anemic 0.5 to 0.7% range on a sustained basis. This ultimately presents us with the question, is a negative Bank of England base rate likely to be a net positive or negative for the UK economy as it grinds its way out of the pandemic? In order to assess this question, we will apply the gross domestic product framework. Specifically, we will disaggregate GDP into its main components and assess the likely impact of negative rates on each component, such as consumption or net export. Additionally, we will seek to assess potential risks posed by negative rates, such as a liquidity trap. Lastly, with all of the above facts thoroughly considered, we will synthesize our overall perspective on the main question. Let us define upfront the basis for negative interest rates. It refers to the bank rate set by the Bank of England that, in its own description, determines the interest rate we pay to commercial banks that hold money with us. It influences the rate that those banks charge to borrow money or pay on their savings. Also known as the base or benchmark rate, it can have a significant impact on GDP components, as we will explore next, starting with household consumption. We can expect that a negative base rate will have an expansionary effect on household consumption for two reasons. First, as the rate turns negative, commercial banks will be charged for holding capital with the Bank of England. This will incentivize them to lend more to consumers and do so at a lower lending rate. In turn, cheaper loans will likely stimulate household spending, especially on big-ticket credit-financed items such as cars and large appliances. Second, lower interest rates typically disincentivize savings. In fact, that is what seemingly took place in the UK during the five-year period prior to the pandemic amid persistently low interest rates. In this light, faced with ultra-low to negative interest rates, UK households will likely opt to spend their disposable incomes, except in a so-called liquidity trap scenario that we will discuss later. The combination of the above two factors will likely stimulate household consumption, driving GDP higher. We can posit that a negative base rate will benefit business investment based on logic similar to that outlined for household consumption. Commercial banks will seek to lend to enterprises at a lower interest rate thanks to the reduced Bank of England rate, rather than be charged for parking funds with the central bank. In turn, lower interest rates are likely to boost expected payoffs on capital projects for UK firms, making decision makers more optimistic and thereby compelling them to invest. 
That is what appears to have taken place prior to the pandemic from 2015 to 2019, when business investment grew steadily amidst low interest rates. In a similar fashion, investments across UK enterprises will likely accelerate under negative rates, propelling GDP higher. We can reasonably expect that a negative benchmark rate will lead to higher government spending for the following three reasons. First, lower interest rates will make it cheaper for the Treasury to borrow in order to finance government expenditures, especially given the need to nurture the pandemic-weakened economy. In fact, the Chancellor has done exactly that over the past year borrowing profusely and taking national debt to nearly 100% of GDP. Second, lower interest rates would likely lead to higher consumer spending. That in turn should boost the VAT revenue, which is the second largest source of tax receipts for the government at about one-sixth of its aggregate intake, providing the cabinet with urgently needed extra cash for stimulus to the battered UK economy. Finally, Cheaper financing will likely lead to higher business investment, eventually enhancing corporate profits and creating more jobs. These in turn will lead to higher receipts for both corporate and personal income taxes. As a result of the three factors, and barring potential capital flight from low-yielding UK sovereign debt, government spending will likely increase and send GDP higher. Now that we've assessed a likely positive impact of negative rates on GDP, it would also be prudent to highlight the key risks associated with the policy. Such risks are fivefold. One is a so-called liquidity trap, which refers to a situation when, despite negative or low interest rates, householders remain cautious about their economic prospects. As a result, they are likely to continue hoarding cash rather than spend it. This could lead to a stubbornly weak UK economic activity as household spending is the largest GDP component at over 60%. Two is capital flight, especially on the highly mobile hot money from the UK government debt due to its low yield relative to what global investors can earn elsewhere. This could constrain the government's ability to stimulate the economy, as borrowing finance is about 7% of the UK total public spending. Three is weakened profitability of commercial banks due to the lower interest rate earned on their loans, combined with the new interest rate charge from the Bank of England for holding their capital. This could stifle both banks' abilities and motivation to lend, as the expected returns may neither cover the cost of loans nor properly reflect their risk profile. Four is a stock market bubble that could develop if investors flee en masse from the low-yielding debt toward publicly traded equities offering higher returns in terms of both dividend payments and capital appreciation. This is a distinct possibility, given the recent run-up in both the UK and overseas equity markets, fueled by strong investor expectations of a post-pandemic economic boom. Last is the risk of a jump in inflation resulting from the substantial monetary and fiscal stimuli deployed to kickstart the UK economy following the pandemic. In fact, the underlying inflationary expectations are already rising among institutional investors and policymakers after a long period of relatively stable prices, prompting early yet increasingly vocal calls for vigilance in watching and addressing inflation pressures. Mitigating the five key risks discussed above will require close coordination between the Bank of England and the Treasury, which respectively lead monetary and fiscal policies in the UK. The prospect of such a pragmatic partnership is good, given that both the Governor of the Bank of England and the Chancellor of the Exchequer were appointed by the same Conservative administration. 
Our analysis suggests that negative interest rates are likely to have a positive impact on each GDP element and the economy overall. That is good news for the UK, which is trying to grind its way out of the COVID-19 pandemic and chart its course as a sovereign nation post-Brexit. As the Bank of England plans its strategy over the coming months, it should coordinate its steps closely with the Treasury. While deployment of negative interest rates can be a potent instrument to stimulate the economy, ideally it should form part of a broader arsenal of monetary and fiscal levers working in tandem. That will not only drive stimulus synergies, but also help mitigate the key risks around negative rates that we have identified.